Greetings, ladies and mentalgents, and welcome to the latest chapter of Oz Magica, taken from the subreddit HFY. All the relevant links are down below, and please like, comment, and subscribe like any good minion of the algorithm would do. And as always, I hope that you enjoy. Chapter 51 System Interlude by Neron On the status of wisdom and intelligence, uttered with the divine intention, written for the incident occurring within the 273rd year. Wisdom and intelligence are foundations of many species that exist amongst the boundaries of the world. Henceforth, it shall be known as a divine for many. For too long have denizens under the gaze been without guidance under these purviews, hidden in the darkness of secrecy and sacrosanct. So this new information shall be put under light. There will be a new moniker, a new title, a new station that many are now put under. Those with the requirements will be thus. If those who deal with wisdom and intelligence are experienced enough, you will be able to uphold the title of Bide. For those who aren't able to understand the simplest of concepts, you'll be labeled and be put under the aberrant and flow. As with most titles, these deal with special circumstances. Bide will be able to commune directly with a multitude of the gods, as well as be able to recognize themselves amongst others, rather than the single view of the past and amongst the crowd in which they find themselves. Those of aberrant will be restricted to one god and one god alone. No others may help them, but no other may hinder unless it is a natural order. Then there is the flow. As many have you have already noticed as we talk through these new stations, there are some that do not conform to these titles, these labels. Some may be born inside their stations, never to exit them, while others you personally know have come from those two stations multiple times through their lives. That is why flow is necessary. It will be a reliable telling of whether or not one is in the right path towards achieving their new positions in the world. This title also comes with a few benefits, as it will be available to you forevermore, rather than the transitory nature of most others. Those who hold it forevermore will maintain a part of their original nature, their history. For those who forget where they have come from are doomed to repeat the trials and tribulations that led to the moment once more. No growth can happen if one is mired upon mass mistakes and consequences. However, let it be known that this is the most general overview that anyone will receive. We have decreed that beginning bide and beast will be the epitome of their title, will be upright and low-born, respectively. Thus, a clear body type will emerge for even the most unperceptive of individuals. Be warned, there are those who do not conform to these titles, those that have no need to put care into either wisdom or intelligence as foundation for their lives or even anything in which they can control about themselves. These will have their own titles, own distinctions of being. They will henceforth be known as Flora, Hypatia, and the most fearsome of all, Monsters. The automated, uniform, drivable invention awoke, as it often does, with introspection. Diagnostics, status on, body condition stable, senses transmitting. This went through the mind of the AUDI, as he was willed through with manner, turning his circuitry from idle to alert. It had been a while since he had distinction of being. Of course, his first view into the outside world was his creator. Although he was a fair bit further away from him than was usual, 
he remembered nearly everything in his short start, and even some of the things from before, but those were hazy at best. As usual, he pushed them down into his mind and got into his ready stance. It was only after a couple minutes did sound finally reach his ears, and he heard the first words of common since he was bid goodnight drifting over the top of a cliff far above him, echoing past the structure's debris. So, uh, why do we stop past the dead pile back there? Don't worry, uh, just paying my respects to an old companion I had. The solemn words were something that was not prepared to hear as soon as it awoke. In fact, the previous wise had such utterances that it couldn't exactly be understood by many of the Audi centers. It was only thanks to the mana connection that it had with its creator that it even was able to pass any It assumed that this was a new passenger's voice since it had sounded completely different since the last heard another person's voice. It's a saddening thing when a friend is lost. I am sorry that it happened. That again, another different voice, something which enticed it thoroughly, as it had long gone the pleasure of meeting new people. However, this voice creaked and groaned, not with age, but something else that it couldn't tell immediately. Then again, it wasn't exactly meant to discern any much facial features, just terrain. Don't worry too much about it. I did all the rights I could. By the by, prepare yourselves. It's a steep climb down. An interruption, if there ever was one, occurred, but the being of sound of something like a tree falling. My roots should be able to get us down somewhat easily. Ah, well then, on the platform we go, I suppose. One right over the cresting of the sun over the high cliff did Audi finally see the people that were coming. The one which had left had either grown a lot taller or was a new passenger that might not fit. And along with it was some kind of pet. At least, it was assuming it was a pet since no bide would ever force themselves to adopt a four-legged stance. It wasn't in their ways. Are you sure that this can actually get us there fast? I mean, I mean, trading down a cliff to get this out of the desert should be worth it. Can it even go over the cliff? Now, of course I'm sure. I built this myself. Besides, there is a reason they say that alpicas are slow. Endurance isn't a thing that they're known for. So a machine meant to perform at top speed for hours. Well, suffice to say, we'll catch our kidnapper. Plus, the cliff isn't too much trouble, as it has got legs for it. Here, you can see it now. Audi was prepared for a lot of things when he woke up. Unfortunately, he wasn't exactly prepared for others seeing his appearance. He could voice no opinions about it yet, of course. But if he could have, he definitely would have. He wasn't built to support more than a single person, and yet he was being tasked with carrying two more. Well, one more in a pet, but it would still impede his top speed. Keep in mind, I only built this for one person, so it's a bit of a tight fit. Then, his cockpit opened up. I gotta admit, this reminds me of something I can't think of. Wait, it's like a lobster. Then, he felt some bodies enter. Suddenly began pressing the buttons on his control panel. His legs twitched and his stabilizers fanned out. Thankfully, it wasn't yet time for moving, as something stopped pressing the buttons upon his console. Please don't touch things. It's still a fairly new invention I had to hide down here. The touch of manner filtered through the being, giving him something akin to pride, or what could be called an ancient version of it. Sorry, uh, buttons are a trigger for me. Um, 
It's just been a, a real while since I saw actual tech this good. A hum of appreciation went through the cab while a yawn seemed to echo through his skeleton. Why should this get us there any faster? It just seems like a hunk of metal. No flesh to move it. Half and then a slump before nothing else was said from the rather gruff tree. His senses didn't lie to him. He had assumed that they were booting up, but it was in fact a tree. Sometimes I forget that not everyone has arcane sight. Mana flows through the thing's veins. It has a top speed of 30 30 meters meters per second, if it has a constant mana induction of 500 per second. Now, of course, Audi could not understand most of what was being talked about. He had no frame of reference for anything besides what he'd been built for. But judging from the amazed gasp of the pet and the raised eyebrow of the other, it was an impressive feat. Can it take more than that? The other passenger pondered. It could, but the batteries aren't really capable of holding that much power. At best, we'd be trading speed for durability. A slight rush went through his chassis, along with the sudden realization. He could go faster than what his maximum speed was. This exhilarated his frame, but the thrill was replaced by reservation. Degradation. The blight of all growing Hypathia. The greatest fear, which almost all of them failed to conquer or control. Damn, I can produce faster than 20 per second at my best, so um, I thought of you both added weight. Uh, how can you produce that fast? Combination of some mana gathering and cleansing with my own natural attraction. I couldn't even reach half without the compensation. Ahem, vibrates through the chassis. Ah, it's kicking in. I would suggest strapping in. I haven't really figured out how to control gravity yet, but when I do, this baby is going to swim through the air with the grace of a Nalar. By the by, I suggest strapping in, unless you want to be jostled about the cabin. Flying seemed unimaginable to Audi. But if his creator told him that that was what he was going to become, then that would be the outcome of his development. In his entire existence, Audi had yet to figure out the concept of hyperbole or lying. So truth was deemed the only thing to exist in his purview of the world. However, his musings were interrupted by the ignition starting. Limbs extended from his legs, ending in sharp, pointed tips sprouting and started pushing against the sand. Of course, this wasn't all that effective towards the sand, but it did help that it wasn't really trying to push against the sand. It was trying to go through it. And much like a fish in the water... The Audi performed fantastically within the environment it had been in for most of its life. Sand rushed past, flowing like a river as it was directed towards the cliffside. With a jump, limbs were raised and struck through the rock, climbing along the surface like a violent spider, leaving behind rock and dust in its wake. So, um, which should we check first? The passenger's voice rumbled and jumbled about, seeming to hit itself high and low. Figuring out that an alpacas couldn't get down the cliff with cargo, and that we already checked the western gate, I would suppose that we should check the northern one next. The smooth voice of its creator spoke. With that, silence descended into the cabin. As I scaled off the cliff and managed to find themselves on level ground, the silence was only broken by the whines of the pet. And one other thing. Mine's your chair with the only one with suspension anyway. I did say that it was built for my personal use, yes? You're lucky that the luggage carrier had a strap big enough. At least you're not stuck tied to the floor like Kojo over there. A hump sounded out along with a groan of pain to accompany the end of the statement. However, 
even with how interested it would be listening in on the conversation that was happening within it. It was now more concerned with something that it had never seen before, except in the most estranged places within the desert of its making. Green grasses growing plentiful, trees towering tall with nary a crook or misshapen growth, soft sensations spread out below its limbs, of a different caliber of the coarseness of the rock cascading against its frame. The new sensation had gotten its attention for so long that it had not noticed the structure that it was approaching. The salaciously built walls thrummed with something that spoke, but in a garbled tongues and heightened colors. It, it thought to itself that it might be malfunctioning in the current moment, as he lagged with his creator's inputs. Excuse me, sir, sir, did alpacas come by with a caravan? We think that mayhap there would be a criminal that kidnapped some bide for unknown reasons. The voice was echoed out of the side of the hull towards a couple of bast who were about the size of one segment in its limb. With a shaky start and what looked like an ill-fitting armor, they looked at each other and almost seemed to say something telepathically. Uh, 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 there was a lot of people that, that had been coming and going through through, through the North Gate. Uh, uh, we'd appreciate it if, if, if you stopped blocking it. Uh, there are people behind and in front of the wall, in case you didn't notice, sir. One of their voices seemed steadily to grow braver as time went on, while the other seemed to only shake harder. I get that, uh, but this contraption tends to be a bit harder to control when it hasn't had a checkup yet. A clatter sounded out as something was thrown through its glass panels towards the ground, splitting open and spilling some glittery contents. The shaking stopped almost immediately in the second bast, as it scrambled forwards grabbing the contents. A few alpacas came through here with a single caravan being pulled by one. It could almost feel the grin forming on its creator's face within it. Thank you, gentlemen. Have a nice day. And with that, the glass panel folded back in place. Well, um, it looks like we have a heading. And with that, Audi turned towards where he was directed and ran across the plains. Wherever he was going, he was feeling particularly good about it. If the ground was this soft to basically glide across, how bad could the future be? End of chapter. Chapter 52 She was awoken by the sound of screaming. Her eyes opened and she beheld what she saw most days, that being this pitchwork seating. Different fabrics from all walks of life seemed to decorate the space, each detailing a tradition or history that words alone couldn't express. She sat up, the screaming seeming to have quieted down. The vestiges of its echoes appeared to fade as she shook her head. Her eyes found purchase on her side table, finding a tiny portrait of herself that she had done in her spare time. The brush strokes weren't exactly good, and she wouldn't really see the canvas she painted upon, but all in all, it was a well-meaning way to practice a grump. She brought her hand to her temple, massaging it to almost will away the phantom sounds. They would almost always be with her, though, even with just a whisper. She sighed as she brought her gaze to the rest of the room. She had lived in this place for almost her entire career, but something was different. She brought her legs upon the floor, feeling the silk she spun underneath it. The feeling helped to center herself. Then, with a cursory glance, her eyes danced over her dresser, table, bookcase, and then finally the plant. That was what had caused her to stress. It had seemed to have died while she was asleep. <sighs> and the merchant said that this was a long-life plant. Ah, really need to figure out how to get analysis. analysis. 
Her chittering seemed to echo across the space as she moved towards the plant. She looked above it towards the hole in the ceiling, which edges almost reached together, sun and sky peering through. Must have not been enough rain happening while I slept, she thought to herself as she brought her hands towards the hole, closing it back up, leaving almost no trace of its existence. She grabbed the plant from its plot and whirled the hole in the wall, briefly allowing her to see the outside world. The white mountainside peered through, weathered by rain and snow. However, it was fairly close up, which was not as she intended. Damn it, I forgot I moved it away from the entrance. Didn't think I had put it directly near the mountainside, though. She closed the hole again with a wave of her hand as she pushed herself into her home. Her body almost seemed to cave in on itself as something left it. However, with the leaving of it, the abode almost came alive. The vibers pulsed and twitched as some seemed to grab the plant from the still body of the woman and bring it towards the other side, that being facing the edge of a cliff overlooking a forest before expelling it. The action, once done, left the abode without any sense of purpose and the woman back with life inside her bones. She shook herself, almost seeming to shiver as she stretched out her back. Oh, I haven't done that in a while. She smacked her lips together almost making clinking sounds from the way her skeleton crinkled. Wait, there was... Her attention shifted as she pushed herself back into her home. Her senses almost seemed to quadruple as her vision beheld something that hadn't happened in a while. A shrine had been erected right in front of her home. Which been thought this up this time, hmm? She willed open another hole within her abode, except this time she walked out into the world for the first time in a while. Her legs touched the rock-covered floor. Her carapace seemed to almost feel the change in the air, as the temperature itself seemed intent on freezing her every move. She moved in front of her house and the shrine that had located itself somewhere between her wakeful selves. As she got in front of it, she momentarily seemed to be shocked, for there, etched upon a stone, was a rousing runic structure. It wasn't a shrine, but a wake-up call. So that's why I was a bit grumpy. She seemed to consider something for a moment before grinning. Her legs almost seemed to twitch as she froze in place under thought. Well, that's interesting. She looked towards her abode, which now that she was outside of it, realized it looked far more now like a tent than when she had made it first. Enchantments may be coming undone then. Going to have to visit Orash, if he's still around. She nodded to herself with her eyes closed, before seeming to open them and move her hand away from her chin. Ah, well, I'll figure it all out when I'm back at the monastery. With that, she waved her hand, and the structure almost seemed to vanish. A perceptive individual, however, would notice that it had not disappeared. It had only shrunk and teleported onto the belt along her hip. In fact, along with the wave of her hand, clothing finally adorned the spare insect, as furs almost seemed to be growing from everything below her waist. For some odd reason, her top lay bare, exposing a dark chitin towards any who would lay their eyes upon it. With a nod of her head, her legs became unbound from the two that she had awoken with and spread out towards her birth number. Her arms and torso seemed to bend forward, as eyes became apparent from the top of her head, as the ones that faced forward closed. With a chitter, she walked down the path from the rune-laden stone, littered with magical foci. As she walked down the path in her natural form, she took in the sights, 
as her body almost walked automatically without any conscious effort on her part. She inspected the sides of the road and the mountains far away and further to the south. As she gazed over the forest, noticing the rivers change in current and flow, and even the various minutiae of the new landscape and the landscape seeming to have moved in a slumber, she noticed something that wasn't there before. Is that a city and slap dab in the side of the mountain? That certainly wasn't there the last time I was awake, she mumbled to herself. Her gaze swept back over the trail, finally noticing something. It may have been daytime, with sun shining overhead, but little rocks and stones almost twinkled along the side path facing outwards from the mountain as she went down. She stared at them for a while, noticing that the twinkling almost seemed familiar to her, but she couldn't exactly pass why. However, as she came to the base of the trail, leading towards that once past step, she now saw how much had changed as she rounded the final curve. There, laying before her, was a massive stone gate, seemingly to have been grown out of rock below it. As she admired the little indentations, illustrations, and carvings, a sound pulled her out of a stupor at the speed of obvious magical dexterity. Beyond the gate lay several buildings, also having grown from the rock, but bathed in various colors and within different styles of architectural making. Some had places to put vases filled with flowers outside their doors, while others held pools of water in transparent tanks hovering to the side of their houses, filled with fish, underwater flowers, and most common of all, birds. However, one thing unified all these houses set upon these trails that slightly unnerved her. The silence. The birds while there did not chirp. The fish while there did not swim. The plants while there flowed without wind. The houses for what was what they were, what they had become in their absence, while there did not contain people. The only sound that seemed to run through the entirety was a howling of the wind blowing over the horizon and the soft tolling of a bell. In the one place that hadn't changed since she had gone to sleep, her original place of teaching, the temple. She walked through the empty streets and colorful buildings towards one building that had stayed the same. Well, in truth it wasn't exactly the same. It was still made of wood so far away from a forest floor down below. Its steeple still seemed to cave in on itself, still showing her weak attempts at carpentry. However, the bell had shown remarkable age as the bronze metal she originally got from the ground beneath her feet had shown its green hallmarks of age, showing the runic patterns that were barely visible in its creation. The board that she put in front had been stylized with metal of all things, as the carving had shifted once again to state whoever read it, town meeting in progress. She crawled between the buildings as she headed towards her temple and pushed the door open. There, instead of millions of people quietly sitting on the rug circles she had prepared, some discussing the lengths on nature and the soul upon her stools, and some just eating lunch out near the glass-covered garden, there was instead only one person inside, putting on the church bell's cord, blankly staring ahead, until his eyes caught onto the form on his benefaction. Teacher! At this, the aged Ev stood ringing the bell and knelt before her, his skin hard, and metallic seemed to wrinkle and rust with age, creaking as he got into position. She cracked herself in two, folding herself back into a bipedal shape, her legs fusing once more into two. My, is no one here, 
They've all left, all for a variety of purposes, but for only one reason. An eyebrow arched as she looked out amongst the pure absence. Where did they go? Some have gone to the southeast towards the capital of Dilo. Others have headed north towards Kayla, with the remainder heading to the problem directly to strategize. She tisked as she sat on the floor mat in front of him. It must be important if everyone is gone, even leaving you behind, dear Elude. At this, the ebb seemed to twitch before staring up from the floor towards her face. It's an honor to be remembered by you, Thora. It is an honor to have taught. Now, if you wouldn't mind explaining the stone... Her hands waved into an arc in front of her, cueing a lute to go on. Ah, we worked on that awakening stone for you because we deemed the stakes were high enough. I alone stayed behind to help you get to where you want to head next. Our foe this time is no pesky necromancer or phenomenon like a tear into the void, but one that harbors the destruction of the very soul of the world. She hummed as she thought back to Grillwood. His battle was indeed fairly easy despite the power he commanded from others. However, something beyond the destabilization in the world, it seemed unthinkable. How so? Souls are disappearing rapidly. We noticed that when one of our own attempted their own cycle. Her eyes widened critically as she whipped her gaze towards his eyes. Where is it? We caught him in the middle of the Western Ocean, but its stagnation was only temporary. It's moving towards the coast. Thora's eyes furrowed as she got up from the mat to look towards the entrance. Is there anything we need before we leave? Some residents have left behind supplies for you near the beginning of the descent. This should tide us for a while until we reach civilization proper. Do you want to head directly over the mountains or bypass them? She thought of it before remembering a tidbit from her earlier years. We don't have to do either. We're heading to Jaloon. He gaped a bit. That's at least a week's trip. Why would we want to head there? I know some gobbos who did something for me a while ago. They can get us through the mountain itself, rather than force us to walk across it. Now, are you ready for the journey? At this, he nodded, metal creaking. Yes, I have an inventory. I keep most things in it. Only problem I would have is keeping pace with you. At this, she finally let loose a smile, revealing her wide maw of teeth and scale. I wouldn't worry about that all too much. Uh, with my other form, I might as well function as a mount for you. A look of consternation crossed his face, though she ignored it entirely to face away from him. Now, um, let us begin our journey to stop this abyssal fiend, eh? End of chapter. This is a special thank you to the one, the only... The legendary Erak Hino, who has become the only Tier 6 patron. Just a quick shout out to the T5 peeps. Bob the Dragon, Cat Crab Lobster, Data Magnet, Dark Machine, Try Again 95, Feudic Yol, Astraea the Dreamer, Caspar Arnholtz, Cam Maxwell, Athelia, Meridian 117, and Jordan Buxmorm. Thank you very much. And that, my friends, concludes this video. I hope that you enjoyed. There are links down below both to support this channel and for the author of this fiction. Anyways, I hope you all have a fantastic one, and I'll see you next time. Cheers.